Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hello listeners, welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. Before us, you heard Sally with her show Out of the Pen discussing all issues queer. She ended with the song Bo Diddley from Bob Seger and the Bullet Band. Uh, And the Silver, uh, the Silver Bullet Band. Uh, I also like to personally acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Um, I keep in mind my complicity, complicity in persistent colonization as a Western visitor to this land. My name is Davita and I am here with Trev. Hey, yeah, I'd also like to acknowledge that we're on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and pay my respects to elders past and present and keep in mind the ongoing devastating effects of colonialism and the genocide that continues. Um, On that, I'm guessing hopefully some or most of our listeners would have been at the event yesterday, the Stop Black Deaths in Custody event Mm. at Parliament House. It was a really good event. Um, One of the main takeaways, if you weren't able to go, is to um, they asked everyone to sign a petition that uh, the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services have put together or are hosting. And so it's a petition that calls on the Prime Minister to meet with the families of the loved ones that have died in custody for the 30th anniversary of the Royal Commission. So I'd really encourage everyone to sign that petition. You can go to the website, which is natsils, so natsils.org.au slash blm for Black Lives Matter. So natsils.org.au slash blm. Share that with everyone. Try and get as many people to sign that petition. That would be great. Yep, yep. We also have Nick with us uh, in the studio who runs the desk, um, but who is currently reading his Twilight books. (laughs) (laughs) I did actually want to thank uh, Sally for that show, a really important show around the notion of consent. And I did want to link it to the rally yesterday. I I couldn't make it myself, but I was listening to it on 3CR Live. Uh, And listeners can check that out at 3cr.org.au. If it's not online live, it will be on at some point. So check that out. Um, but I just thought it was a really interesting point. Uh, Robbie Thorpe, who was one of the speakers from the rally, is also a 3CR presenter, really amazing speaker. And one point I found uh, really interesting from Robbie Thorpe was linking consent to the ongoing racism in Australia uh, and, and I guess, to, um, yeah, violence, violence against women, et cetera, and this, that, like, this whole country is, is, ignores consent, ignores that consent was never granted by Indigenous people here, and that mm-hmm. lack of consent also feeds into um, yeah, violence towards women and children and, and those kind of issues as well. So I just thought, uh, yeah, really important show from Sally and also saw the connections from the rally um, yesterday. Yeah, hmm. that's yeah. a really good yeah. point. Thank you, Nick. Uh, today we are doing a fact-checking show for Freedom of Species um, and yeah. we will focus on often heard arguments against veganism but also for veganism. This and could be yeah. the the start of many of these shows mm. not necessarily every yeah. week or every month yeah. but um if you like it and you've got other things that you would like us to look into different claims either that you think are good or dodgy or otherwise um please let us know and send in some emails speaking of which we have some news our email address has stopped working so we've switched to a new one and if anyone has emailed us in the last couple of months we're not sure exactly when it stopped working so the new email address is freedomofspecies at gmail.com but you can also find us on twitter with uh, at fos radio 
And on Facebook, Freedom of Species, you can always text in at 0488-809-855. And anything you'd like to say or ask, we'd love to hear from you, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So for um, today, we will cover arguments from both within the vegan movement and outside the vegan movement, because we'd like, yeah, as vegans ourselves, ethical vegans ourselves, we do not support an uncritical adoption of a vegan diet. So we are open to the possibility of always scrutinizing our own uh, our own movement as well mm. um, other reasons are that um, we do like these fact checks because sort of harmless harmless pseudosciences may thrive within the vegan movement and outside of course but that also makes it more easier for more, more damaging conspiracy theories to thrive outside mm. of it yeah uh, and some of the things that we'd like to flag is that if you go if you want to have a vegan diet, for yeah, inaccurate reasons, then such as certain health benefits that are circula circulating, um, then you may easier opt out of a vegan diet again when it becomes clear that it doesn't work that way. So we're gonna address yeah. all of this. It's a really good point. Yep. Uh, let's start with the health. Let's go straight into the health of vegans. And um, one of the things, yeah, one of the things that we want to discuss is can everybody be vegan yeah and, yeah but i guess you hear this from people who aren't vegan as a i guess a a reason or a rebuttal like when people start talking about adopting a vegan diet they'll say that that's um you know that's something that a small minority of people can do that can be healthy on a on a vegan diet but it's not for everyone there's, mm. there's lots of people that need animal animal products to to be healthy yeah so omnivores will often say this yeah 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 yeah. So, what is the what is the medical advice around veganism or the diet, dietary advice around veganism? Yeah, so it's strange that they they say that because I guess most of the medical bodies that have made statements about this are not vegan organisations. Like, for example, the Australian Dietetics Association and the American Dietetic Associations, they've both put out statements um, saying that a vegan, a well planned vegan diet is um, healthy. Um, for all stages of life, from infancy to adolescence, pregnancy, old age. And they definitely don't have a vegan agenda. So to put mm. out that statement um, yeah. from multiple different countries where the, the experts have said that, there is, that there's nothing wrong with a well-balanced vegan diet, yeah. it's, it's surprising that people are still pulling that card to try and yeah. say it's not healthy. Yeah, and it also didn't. Didn't you a few days ago mention that there's new now vegan baby formula out? Yeah, I yeah. saw some news recently yeah. that um, they're finally. I think it's Australia is the first to have it in the world, mm. if I remember correctly. I might be wrong on that, but that um, they're putting out vegan infant baby formula for the first time. Yeah, because that's some of the things that you know a lot of people will. I think the infancy stage is a very contested. Like people sort of. Mm go against it no 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 i cannot reach my i cannot uh, raise my baby as a vegan that's that's something i haven't heard much so hearing that it's recommended you know well, not recommended but it's suitable to all stages of life that's a big thing yeah 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 definitely yeah and i guess what's important to remember though is that we also get vegans saying everyone can go vegan without which is similar to what mm. you're mentioning about infants um up until the infant formula was designed and put on the market i'm not sure if it is on the market yet or if it's coming very soon but um that's one of a number of reasons that people can have valid reasons for not being able to have a healthy sustainable vegan diet at whatever stage of life that they're in so one can be if they can't breastfeed for whatever reason and they need to use formula up mm -hmm. until now or up until whenever this product comes out there hasn't been vegan alternatives that are healthy for babies especially less than six months old mm -hmm. so there are exceptions um Vegans often try and paint it as though there aren't exceptions, that absolutely everyone on the planet can be vegan without mm. a problem. They'll be healthy and, and they won't have any issues. But that's not true. Yeah. It'd be great if it were true. But I think we have to, in the spirit of fact-checking, we have to be honest about the facts and that yeah. there are, unfortunately, some people with medical conditions, they're very rare. So it's not like you're just going to bump into people on the street that have these conditions left, right and centre. What are, what are these medical conditions? So it really depends. that These conditions, I'm going to read out some, it's not every form or every person suffering these conditions, but often they'll be in combination with multiple conditions or certain variations of a condition that can make it really hard for them to, to, to be healthy 
with just vegan foods only. So that can be some forms of cancer. Um, eating disorders can be a big issue. Mm. Um, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, different allergies. So it's, it's very easy to see how combinations of these different things can really knock out huge food groups that can really, really make it really difficult to, to get a well-balanced diet. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Um, I just think that the, the community, the advocacy community really needs to be aware of this before they start saying things that absolutely everyone can be vegan because they'll follow that up with if someone has a, tries to give them an excuse of a reason that they can't be vegan, they'll think they're lying yeah. or they'll say that they're lying. I find it hard to believe that. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen some of those comments online. Yeah, on Facebook, yeah, Facebook Reddit. Reddit yeah. yeah, you'll see those comments yeah. all the time. But one of the things that I thought about is that um, veganism is abstaining from animal products or animal use as far as practicable. And I think for the, these people with medical conditions, it's not practicable. It's not exactly. Um, it's not an, an option to not eat um, animal products. And that's that's where the whole, you know, there's this strict definition of a vegan diet is also constant op- is constantly changing mm. um, and I consider these people to be vegan even though they you know if people want to be vegan as much as they can but have certain limitations in their body but consider the fate of animals in factory farming uh, who have this vegan eth- ethic I'd still consider them, them vegan exactly it's yeah. very different from someone yeah. who uses their medical condition to say I can't be vegan and therefore they still wear leather and they still go to the zoo or they still do all these other things that are not vegan that have nothing to do with their medical conditions. So obviously it can't be just an excuse to abstain from the whole ethics around animal, animal use and abuse completely. Um, It's got to be within the bounds of, as you say, what's practicable and possible. Yeah. 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 Um, So, but the final point on that is that, it's easy to disprove that argument that anyone can eat, that everyone, absolutely anyone if can eat If you stayed a as a diet, vegan, if you everybody like that. can, yeah. So saying that is quite harmful because it's easy for people who have an agenda to try and pick holes in the vegan yeah. you know, advocacy to say, you're wrong. There are these people that can't sustain themselves or thrive on a vegan diet. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's really harmful if people are sharing that. Yeah, I think... A really important thing to discuss as well, a second fact check we like to do in um, on health is the statement, a vegan perspective, um, that a vegan diet is the answer to preventing and treating all chronic diseases associated with meat, dairy. Yeah. Yeah. So vegan, a vegan diet becomes idealized in that sense, in that it can cure diseases. Mm. Yeah. Where does this come from? So... Well, a common place it comes from recently, at least I know, is from a lot of the health-based documentaries that have come out. So Forks Over Knives was a big one. Um, and then more recently, there was What the Health. And mm. they both were adopted really strongly by a lot of vegan advo- advocates um, and pushed out as gospel and truth mm. without much really skepticism or, or rethinking exactly what was in those, those films. But there has been some valid criticisms of those films and those the sources, including Nutrition Facts and other well-known vegan health, um, you know, websites and, and sources of information that they're not always being as accurate as they should be. Mm. Um, there's varying ways they can be inaccurate. Some of it can be what's called cherry picking, where they just look at some studies mm. and they ignore the ones that go against what they want to show. And they only pick out the ones that show what they want to show. Um, There can be different forms of pseudoscience, which is where they're twisting the science and not honestly really honoring the scientific method. So instead of saying what happens when this happens, they're saying, how can I prove that this is right? And when you're going in with the intention Mm. to try and prove something, it's not really science. Mm. It becomes pseudoscience. Um, Well, it's a different. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. Yeah. I can also imagine you'd really want something to be true and that's where a bias comes in. Yeah. Well, that's it. They've all yeah. got great intentions yeah. that they want to yeah. do this, but yeah. I think we really have to be careful as a community to hold each other to account mm-hmm. and, and show that we're not pushing things too far, that we're not exaggerating, that we're not cherry-picking, that we're not, yeah. we're not pushing the bounds of truth. Which so what is, what, is the, what is the health appeal of, of veganism? Well, I guess, you know, we're lucky, especially recently... A vegan diet has by chance 
been very close to what is considered one of the most healthiest diets you can adopt because there's an abundance of fresh mm. fruit and vegetables and legumes and nuts. Yeah. But as veganism becomes more popular and then there's more junk food mm. alternatives for vegan items, there's more mock meats, there's more vegan versions of, of you know, comfort foods and things yep. like that. Guilty as charged here. <laughs> yeah. love, Look, love Lord of the Fries. <laughs> and I'm not against it. I think it's fantastic that it's happening. But we have to realize that that means that it's going to be easier for people to have an unhealthy vegan diet because they're adding yep. more unhealthy options into the smorgasbord they can choose from. Mm. Whereas 20, 30 years ago, they didn't have all these different forms of vegan cheeses or vegan ice creams mm. and things to choose from. With saturated fats, is that the is that one of the biggest issues? Well, yeah, or saturated in... fats is an interesting one because people often think that vegan diets are inherently better no matter what because they don't have cholesterol. Mm. And people are thinking that, you know, you can only get cholesterol in animal products, which is true that vegan products don't have cholesterol or in negligible amounts. But the evidence is coming out more and more that the amount of cholesterol you ingest isn't completely correlative to the amount of cholesterol that resides in your body. Your body actually produces cholesterol mm. more related to the amount of saturated fats, as well as some, some yeah. part of it is linked to the amount that you ingest. But it's definitely possible to be vegan and to have high cholesterol because you're eating too much saturated fats and unhealthy foods, even mm. though you're getting zero cholesterol into your diet because yeah. your body makes the cholesterol and you still become unhealthy. But there was one thing I want to jump quickly onto from those health documentaries. Yeah. One of the, the, the really big ones that made a stir is when they started labeling and talking about type 1 carcinogens or type 1A carcinogens. So red meat um, and processed meat, I think processed meat was a 1A carcinogen and red meat might have been a 1B one, but the 1A means it's a known carcinogen. Mm. However, just because it's a known carcinogen doesn't mean that it's as toxic as all other carcinogens in the 1A group. It just means that they do knowingly cause cancer. But it's not just the the poison or the, the toxicity, it's also the dose. And so a lot of the things that are in the 1A category are things that we still have in our daily lives, but we have it at such a small dosage level that it doesn't actually cause cancer. But we know that if we have too much of it, it will cause cancer. So you had these claims that an egg was the same as smoking a cigarette or something like that, or there was mm. the equivalent of like five Hot cigarettes. Hot dogs or is the same. Yeah, yeah something, all those sort of claims which were, were not true. Um, they they just don't hold up to the current scientific evidence. Mm. Um, even though they are carcinogenic, it's all in the dose. It's not mm. necessarily just because they're in that category that they're just as unhealthy as everything else in that category. That mm. just means they cause cancer. It doesn't mean how strongly they can cause cancer. Yep. Yep. Uh, what do you think of uh, taking a break with a song by a local vegan, Lara Prokop, with Teddy Bear Suicide?
Like everyone, people who are LGBTIQ+, can experience suicidal thoughts. Living Works deliver workshops that give you the knowledge to help others in the LGBTIQ+, community. Thanks to Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network, from now until the end of May, Living Works is offering workshops for the LGBTIQ+, community completely for free. Visit livingworks.com.au to learn how you can help save a life. Northwestern Melbourne Primary Health Network is a 3CR supporter. Hello listeners, welcome back to Freedom of Species. You just heard local vegan Lara Prokop with Teddy Bear Suicide. Yeah, great track. Yes. And um, I guess just summing up that last segment, um, the takeaway that we were, I guess, talking about in the break that we sort of realized is that you can be as healthy or as unhealthy as you want to be or like to be on both a vegan or a non-vegan diet. Um, it's, they're, they're both, both options are available um, there's no scientific consensus yet over which is the healthiest diet, whether having little bits of animal products is healthier or less healthy than a vegan properly balanced diet. So um, I think that it's it's just important to, to remember that final takeaway that it, yeah, you, you, you can, can make you it can, as healthy as you want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's move away from the health uh, theme and what's next talk a bit about ethics let's do that the ethics of a vegan diet um, I actually want to do the like I have often heard the argument um, that it is natural for us to do uh, for us to eat animals yeah and it's actually something that uh, a few weeks ago we had a chocolate out uh, ethical chocolate outreach event with Melbourne cow safe and it was a lovely event Lots of positive message, you know, take, gave, giving away free chocolate that's ethical, not only uh, free from slave labor, but also from dairy. And um, it was lovely. At the end, I got involved in this conversation with a, with a really, um, really, yeah, a really difficult conversation <laughs> with somebody who is very persistent in, in using animals. And he was like, it was, it's natural. It's natural for us to eat animals. So this is something, this is one of my... Um, yeah, my my nemesis arguments. <laughs> um, yeah. well, let's get into it then. Yeah. So, um, I guess the first thing is, what does natural mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, as a maybe it's the social scientist in me, but one, one, whenever I hear the word natural, you know, alarm bells will go off in my head because yeah. I'll be like, oh, what do people mean with that? Um, what is nature is really one of the most difficult discussions ever and it's been used as a means of oppression as well mm. um, they'll say to women oh it's in your nature to care or it is um, it's natural to have 
uh, a man and a woman together whereas yeah. um, you know so it it can it can support oppressions of sexism of heteronormative uh, normativism and um yeah. yeah so these these arguments are really pro- problematic so i feel like also depending on the use of nature is one of the most boring arguments ever like what what does that mean it doesn't mean anything it's only it's a political tool what is nature yeah um so it's you know it's one of the for this what i had to think of is that in the social justice movement of of feminism for example um there's this author who wrote about um testosterone uh and cuz the whole sex is yeah the social justice movement of anti-sexism has had to deal with testosterone like oh but it's natural for us to act in certain ways for mm. men to act in certain ways because there's testosterone you know and this uh, author cordelia fine psychologist she took up the issue of testosterone and in her book uh, testosterone rex she made a really impressive argument in my opinion which is that we are you know our hormones have made us have have dev- you know made us develop to respond dynamically towards our environment they have not said they have not set certain behaviors in stone but mm. you know hormones make us respond dynamically and that's one of the parallels that i want to draw for the for the a- yeah, animal liberation as a social justice movement you know we have we need to respond dynami- dynamically and mm. creatively towards the environment and depending on Oh, we've always have we've always have eaten animals, you know. That's that's in our nature, you know. That's that's just doesn't say anything at all. Like just because we have do- done certain things a certain way, we shouldn't have to continue them doing them. Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, considering that, you know, this this argument just makes you think it's so boring. Let's try and put it to bed once and for all. <laughs> what is, I guess, what is the appeal of people using this nature argument? I think. Um, in that, in that term itself, it's got um, people might be aware there's what's called the appeal to nature fallacy. And mm. that's this belief that whatever is natural is somehow inherently better or good just because it's untainted by artificial means or human intervention. Um, it doesn't make any sense because just because something is natural, there are lots of horrible things that have happened naturally. There are horrible things that continue to happen naturally through all species, through all events. Um what what matters in terms of what we're talking about here with with diet is getting the the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that you need. Whether mm. they come from natural sources, whether they come from artificial or synthetic sources, whether they come from whatever whatever type of way that we create it, it doesn't matter. If our bodies are chemically getting what we need, yeah. that's all we need to be healthy. Yeah. So, to me, what's natural doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant. Mm. It's yeah. what's the right thing to do ethically and morally if we've got multiple options of getting what our body needs, yeah, which yeah. is that that's the situation we find ourselves in. We've got multiple options of getting what our yeah. body needs, especially as technology advances, we get more and more options to get what our body needs, yeah. different ways to do it, ways that are more environmentally friendly, ways that are going to be friendlier to animals as well. Yeah. And I, this is, this is such a, this whole type of reasoning about nature. It's, um, you know, as vegans, we're, imagining we're trying to imagine a radically different world where in where we do not exploit animals for whatever reason as well and for for whatever reason there is and um yeah there's not when you're imagining a really radically different world as other social justice movements also have done there's not always the numbers to back you up in for example, the health arguments, the health debates. You know, you can you can you can back up your claims with oh no 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 no. If we eat this amount of um, this amount of nu- nutrients of this type, then we can get we can get by. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, trying to move towards a different world and trying to express that in a conversation with non-vegans, for example, uh, is so difficult because mm. you don't have that sort of consensus that you can back that you can depend on it reminds me yeah. of i guess what's been happening currently is people thinking about what would a world without police look like or what would a world mm. without mass incarceration look like because yeah. that's exactly what you're saying is these radical visions of a new world and yeah. what would and 
there isn't that, as you say, that numbers data to rely on because it hasn't really happened in a, you know, current enough environment to be able to compare and contrast and show that. But people are still pushing and envisioning for what that would would mean. And as you say, there's still science and and research being done on on what's going to happen with the with these, you know, pushing the boundaries of those those frontiers of being progressive. It, it doesn't matter just because it, there is no example to point to and say yeah. that's what we should do. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, to be really, to think big in that sense and to be creative and dynamic, you know, we have this, that's the potential that lies before us. That's our possibility. And if we then sort of say, oh, but look at our canines, look at our bowel system, look at what we, you know, just be, you know, it's just, that's why it's such a boring argument to me i'm like mm. we have this we can radically rethink the world and you're gonna depend on canines you're gonna depend on the, these teeth yeah. <laughs> seriously <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna drive your actions and that's um, it the bottom line is it's all true like you know mm. humans have eaten animals still eat animals like our bodies can get nutrients from animals i think trying to deny these things isn't going to get us anywhere we just admit what we just said is that it's true but it's irrelevant on the big scheme of things because yeah. what's going to make a better world? What are our options? And yeah. which is the best option? I think that phrase is, you know, once you, once you know better, you do better. Yeah. And I think as a, as a species, we're hopefully getting to points where we know better and so collectively we're going to do better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what was the next what fact sh- check yeah. one to do? We've got the, oh yeah, this will be hopefully a bit of a quick one. Yeah. Sometimes people will say that if everyone goes vegan, we're just going to be overrun with domesticated animals. Yes. Or that they're all going to die out and it's going to be horrible. Yep. Apparently both are plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Or both are going to happen. Yeah. We're going to be trampled on the streets with by all the cows. Species. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Schrodinger's cat. You know, they're there, but they're not there. You know, they're coming. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, is, where, what, is, what is supporting this argument? What, where does this come from? How does this work? It's, it's almost like they're just throwing arguments like darts at a dartboard, just hoping what will stick. It's like, what if I tell them that we're going to be overrun? What if I say that they're going to go extinct? Like they, they don't actually believe these things. They're just grasping at straws and seeing, is this, a, is this excuse going to hold water? Hmm. And, and it's almost like a distraction tactic so, so hmm. that they don't have to actually do the hard work and self you know, analysis of well, why am I still part of this system that's yeah. abusing animals. Yeah. So uh, I find the species extinction angle really interesting because it sort of appeals to a compassion for species in the sense that we do not want them to get extinct if we stop breeding them for food, you know? It's mm. like, oh, we cannot have, we don't see the cows anymore or the big sort of uh, chickens. Um, yeah. So it's this appeal to compassion that seems sort of ironic because they're so overwhelmingly invisible, these animals, mm. and there's so little compassion for them that suddenly caring for them in, you know, not wanting them to die out, that just seems out of place to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's ingenuine. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So um, what do what do vegans think of species dying out? Well, that's a contentious issue, I guess, because I feel like We've all grown up in a world where with conservation um, being such a, a prominent angle in terms of how we look at the natural world, we think species extinction is a really terrible thing. And I think this might be controversial, but um, there's always a background rate of species extinction. So species mm-hmm. going extinct is a common thing that's going to always happen and continue. That's part of evolution and new species will evolve. I think what can be more important, and this is what I've also learnt from other people is that the the number of species alone being being what's the opposite of extinct is it extant extent extent yeah <laughs> um <laughs> the number of species being extant is not a meaningful measure alone of the quality of our biodiversity or our ecosystem what can be more important is how the whole system is functioning as a whole and so like a good example is if there's only one or 10 more of, of a species left in the wild, preserving those 10 animals at the expense of potentially, you know, um, like culling their predators in the thousands 
what are you really achieving by tokenistically saving one species and keeping them from the brink of extinction mm. and trying to artificially sort of keep them surviving in, in a world that is now not meant for them? even Mm. though it might not have been their fault and it might have been our fault because of introduced species or because of change of of land use. It's really difficult because um, the species level, you know, thinking at a species level sort of allows harm to individuals. Mm. And what I try to do, what I try to sort of reorient myself towards is thinking at the individual level. How do you act when you meet one maybe threatened with extinction individual and one individual animal who's threatened with extinction or but that that's not supposed to matter whether they're threatened or not you know what's matter is how are you gonna how are you gonna care for one animal that's it if there's an animal that exists in like their populations are in what's called plague proportions each individual still wants to live each individual still sentient each individual doesn't want to die same as an in endangered species where there's only a hundred left, mm-hmm. they all want to live. They yeah. don't want to die. They all, they're, they're both valid as individuals. And I think that if we can somehow through this lens of conservation and species extinction, ignore the, the killing and suffering of thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands by yearly culls in order to just keep this very small number of a certain species alive because we think it somehow is a measure of how little we've managed to damage the planet because mm. we can point and say, well, at least they're not dead yet. They're not dead yet, yeah. But the thing with ethics is it's, it's really difficult because there's not really one course of action that's always good. Um, so, yeah, let's stop the ethics talk, please. No. <laughs> um, uh, always hated that in philosophy class, um, but yeah. Well, I was going to say, I guess, to go back to the original part of either being overrun with domesticated animals or them dying out, that really all comes about because we're breeding them. Mm. So even separate to like species extinction is a really interesting topic, but bringing it back to domesticated animals, we're breeding animals in numbers and we're increasing the numbers that we're as a species that we're breeding these animals for agriculture because the, the population of humans is going up and also the consumption of animal products per capita is in general going up in the world. So while that's happening, they're going to keep, increasing the amount of animals that they're breeding into the system if we start reducing what we're consuming i'm not saying it's the be all end all way of solving the world's problems but there is going to be a reduction of demand which is going to mean that the the industry does have a choice to reduce their supply same as they can increase their supply when there's an increase in demand and when Mm. the market's there they can choose to decrease that if they want to they won't because they want to try and preserve their profits yeah. and they yeah. want to look there's at just a lot of, growth. Um, there's a lot of reports of dairy farmers having to dump gallons of milk a day because they just cannot sell it or they don't want to sell it at a lower price or I don't know what is what is exactly happening. But um, And then they start getting inventive in terms yeah. of finding new markets that new didn't outlets, exist before. Yeah, like McDonald's, can you put more egg, can you use more milk in your products or... Uh, yeah. Can we give children at school lunches? Can we, can we give them more milk? Can we lobby know? the government yeah. to try and promote this product or something? Yeah. So there's yeah. this unwillingness to change, which is really problematic. Yeah. And that's again, you know, you know, let's be creative. Let's be dynamic. Let's change, mm. you know. But there's this sort of set behavior that's makes it... And different. to blame that on people who are choosing to abstain mm-hmm. from the exploitation of animals is a really misguided argument because... As we've just said, it's up to the industry and what the industry wants to do with the changing variables of the world around them. If they're in a world where the demand for animal products is going down, they have a choice and it's their choice. It's not our fault if they decide to keep pumping out the same amount of animal products Mm. and then complaining that there's wastage and that there's surplus and that people are wasting it. They could be choosing to ramp down their production to breed less and less. And it'll be a gradual number. No one's going to go from... 80 billion plus animals a year to zero it's just not going to happen yeah it's going to happen gradually yeah yeah but draft for politics yeah (laughs) (laughs) great well hopefully that helps people i guess get a bit of their head around some of these common arguments yeah which is what we're trying to do today exactly yeah and tackle them in a bit more detail than often gets i guess given when you're just having conversations with friends because sometimes 
you don't want to get into this nitty-gritty, huge conversation back and forth and sort of argument. You, you hear these arguments and you're like, or you hear these these reasons or these mm. these excuses and you just you want to keep the peace. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want yeah. to make a scene. You're boiling on the inside, but you're like, mm, you yeah, know, extinction, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I guess the more we can yeah. chat about these in more yeah. detail gives people a bit more awareness and understanding Hopefully. to be able to yeah. to come up with different things that they can say and just plant seeds in people's heads and say actually yeah. what you're saying doesn't hold a lot of water if you look at it through this this yeah. other way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope so. Please let us know if we're doing anything, if that floats your boat. Yeah. <laughs> but but let's, we, uh, let's go to a song. Time for a song. Time this for song, a song is by Regurgitator. It's called Strange Human Being.
More than 70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel, and it is unlawful. Every day, a group of supporters protests this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. I think Welcome to Country is a very dangerous concept and initiative. I really don't know where Welcome to Country even merged from. I know that I don't think it was a, obviously an Aboriginal initiative. I think obviously governments had uh, introduced that as they were pacifying our flag of resistance. You know, the idealism that lies behind that obviously is so that white people can feel a sense that they're more guests and they've got a right of ownership and to be here. If we're going to continuously welcome them to country, what that does, it rectitudes the fact of the moral racism issues in which they perpetrate against our people. Because how can we be talking about all these other issues and then compromise a hypocrisy in our own selves to welcome these murderers and these uh, slave traders and this barbaric sense of what they've done to occupy Australia on one hand and, and welcome them on the other. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. Uh, before that, you heard Regurgitator with Strange Human Being, and uh, they're playing gigs, which is great to see. I mean, I love that band, so I'm really excited. I'm going. It's going to be next week. They're playing Saturday, 17th of April. I think tickets are sold out, but if you can get tickets, it's for a really good cause because they're donating the profits to Seed Mob, which is the Seed Indigenous Youth Climate Network, and um, they're also donating the profits to Edgar's Mission. Mm. which is great to hear. And that's a um, fundraiser slash birthday party for Quan's mum. It's her 80th birthday. So uh, that's at the Prince of Wales and it's at 2 p.m. an afternoon show. Regurgitator are also doing some shows for a music festival coming up, which is called Spring Loaded. That's doing, I think, all of Australia um, in June, July, October and November. So check out dates for Spring Loaded. There's a bunch of other old sort of 90s bands that are playing that too. And um, yeah, I'll be going to that as well if I can. Yeah, cool. Uh, before we're going to wrap up our show, because it's already almost 2 p.m., we'd like to discuss one more uh, fact we'd like checked, uh, which is more, you know, we've had health, we've had ethics, now we want to focus on the environment. Um, and one of the things that has been coming up is what to do with all the land that can't grow plants if everybody goes vegan. I, f yeah. I believe that's one of the statements, you know. It is. It's like, yeah. well, there's grass growing here and you can't grow anything else meaningful. Mm. So we might as well just have cows or sheep or whoever mm. eating yeah. it and then kill them and eat them. Apparently that's the only other thing you can possibly do worthwhile with that land. Yeah. Because well, it's only grass. <laughs> it's only grass. Yeah. Um, but can we, can, we grow, can we grow crops everywhere? So, yeah, the, that argument is there's some truth to it and there's some, I guess, less truth to it. The truth is there are some areas that are going to be a lot harder to grow crops, especially to the quality that we want for human grade food. Um, but the current levels of, of areas that we're grazing animals, there's a lot of good cropland that could be that could be transformed into. So there's a lot of areas that we're currently grazing animals with just grass that could be easily converted to mm. cropland. There's a small amount of where they're grazing animals that would struggle to be converted to cropland. So they're talking about a smaller amount for starters, but what else can we do with that land? We can give that land back to nature. It's a uh, system nature. called uh, <laughs> <laughs> a system called rewilding, which is, and we we desperately need that because we're currently losing forest um, by by deforesting for for lots of different reasons. So the world is losing amounts of green 
as a, as a total net negative every every year. So we need to try and save areas of the world to be places for wild animals to exist and for well, or just not have humans interfere. Exactly. They just take it down a notch and not just try to develop every every part of the air, of the earth. That's exactly. I feel a major benefit on its own. Um non-interference and just sort of yeah giving back maybe not necessarily to what you know a vague nature is but just giving 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 land back to animals to roam freely uh, trees to grow in different levels of canopy that's a lot better for carbon capture as well Mm. yeah so it's i i I really get frustrated when people talk about that land being wasted because Mm. We, we need to try and preserve a lot more land on this earth to be, mm. to be existing in that way. Yeah, be, and the be... idea of wasted land, that's a very colonial mindset too. Yeah. I mean, that has sparked so much conquest of the land, thinking that the land was not used properly by non-Western people. So, yeah, but there's so much happening inland when there's no when there's no agriculture when there's no animals grazing um yeah there can be so many species thriving uh, it's really just, sad that people don't know. see the benefits of that yeah they just see yeah. the lost dollar signs of what they could do with that yeah. land in different ways yeah yeah for and example the one of the things that for my phd thesis on bats um it has become clear in some of the discussions with people who care for bats um, that bats need different canopy levels, different different levels of canopy. You know, you got mm. the high, the upper, sto- the upper story, you got the mid story, you got the understory, and that's different. And the the temperature is different in those different levels of stories, whether it's mm. trees or or bushes or whatever it is. So it can actually give refuge to a lot of different animals that need cooler areas to reside when it's when the planet is warming up yeah yeah exactly yeah well look i hope everyone's enjoyed our first installment of fact checking uh we'd love to do more please let us know um email in the show which is freedom of species at gmail.com and let us know what what claims or what statements you'd like us to look at and we'll do another show when we get when we get enough to to fill up another hour yeah um but yeah we've really enjoyed it it's been great yeah before we go, we wanted to mention a couple of other events that are happening. Um, I mentioned SeedMob before because Regurgitator are donating some funds to them. They're also doing a fundraiser themselves coming up. And I'm just pulling up the details here. It's, um, it's a gala event and it looks really good, actually. Um, we've got on the 16th of April, it's at 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. It's in North Melbourne. If you can have a look at um, Seed Indigenous Youth Climate Network on Facebook, they're hosting the event on Facebook and you can buy tickets and that's a really good fundraiser for Seed. Mm. Um, Other things that I wanted to quickly mention before we go is there are refugee protests happening here in Nam on Wednesdays from 12.30 to 1.30pm and Fridays 4.30 to 5.30pm outside the Department of Home Affairs, which is 2 Lonsdale Street in Melbourne. So please get along to that if you can on Wednesdays and Fridays. There are still refugees that are locked up and um, they haven't all been released yet. So putting up pressure on that is really important. And another quick shout out for some animal related events. There are some vigils coming up. Um, Some of them we can't give out the full details over the radio. um, But if you'd like to get involved, please look up the Pig Save and Cow Save Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. The Pig Save Activists and Cow Save Activists Facebook groups. There's going to be a cow save uh, vigil this afternoon, um, not long after the end of this show. There's going to be a pig save vigil uh, next weekend on Sunday 18th. And there's going to be a joint cow save and sheep save vigil uh, on the 24th of April. So, yeah, yeah, lots coming up. Yeah, lots happening. Um, We will be back next week on Sunday with another Freedom of Species show. It'll, Trev and I will have the week off but adam and caroline will be in the studio who will be discussing the seaspiracy documentary on netflix which is uh, very influential um so um yeah tune in then 
Uh, after our closing song, you'll hear Encyclopedia with the drug law reform activism, and we're gonna we're gonna finish up with Fur Patrol. This is Into and the Sun. I'm broken and blue. I'm porcelain too. Are you delicate? I was one part of two. Now I'm writing it through. Are you up for it? And it's been so long since you needed anyone. Now I need for You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.